Good morning. How's it going, Elevate? I hope that all of you got some breakfast this morning. We have not one, but two speakers. You have come to church on a special day. You are in the middle of our evangelistic series called Infinite Hope. Last year, you will remember, we wandered through the Beatitudes. This year, we are chasing wisdom. For those of you that have been with us, we've started on Thursday, and we have been exploring different themes on wisdom. We've We've acknowledged where it comes from. We've talked about uh, the wisdom that you can learn from the beginning of the story in Genesis. We've talked about what happens when sin first entered this world. It's been a really good series, and if you haven't been here for all of it, feel free to go back. It's really good stuff. You can go and catch it on our, uh, it's, it's, yeah, thank you, on YouTube. There we go. I, uh, uh, anyway, okay. This morning, I will be talking to you from the book of Ecclesiastes. There's a lot that we can learn from Scripture about how best to live our lives. We know about individual responsibility. We know that it is a part of the formula. A person that works hard in school usually gets better grades. And a person that works hard in their career usually goes further or makes more money. A person that exercises regularly and eats well is usually healthier. We know all these things and more, but we also know that they are not always true. Sometimes the student who works really hard to pass that test fails. Sometimes the person that is working really hard on their career gets fired. And sometimes the person that is exercising and doing all the right things and eating all the right foods comes down with a sickness, ailment, or cancer. This conundrum is what I want to address. If the Bible tells us that good things happen to those of us that are following God's laws and precepts and bad things follow upon those that don't, then why are we seeing the opposite in our own lives, in our families, in our communities? Are you with me, church? Are you with me? You better be. I was like, it's a busy day. <laughs> Ty said, like, get those shoelaces ready. We're going to be running, metaphorically, but, you know, follow me. We will explore this conundrum or paradox through the book of Ecclesiastes. Yes, I know that it's not everyone's favorite book, but it is quickly becoming one of my favorites. I think that there's actually a lot that's going on in Ecclesiastes that we would much rather ignore. But we don't, we don't, uh, dodging the tough questions will not sharpen our minds. It will not strengthen our faith or deepen our hope. So we will have to grapple with the issue. What do we do when the wisdom of God seems to be flawed? The author, author of Ecclesiastes skips the tempting question of whether or not God exists and simply goes on to a totally different question, which is quite tempting when you're following the laws of God and the wisdom of God and his precepts and, and calamity falls upon you. It is tempting to, to wonder if God exists. The author of Ecclesiastes flies right over that and says, I have a different question does God matter? If all of these, all these things happen while God is in charge and around, then what good is God? If when I follow his wisdom, I still get hurt, then why am I following him? Let's take a look at the book of Ecclesiastes. Before we jump in, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, before we open up your scriptures, we invite you to be a part of this process. 
be here in this space, make your presence known and reveal yourself to us more because we are asking in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ecclesiastes 1 verses 1 through 2 reads, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, and then you'll notice the next thing is a quotation mark. Okay, that's because the author of Ecclesiastes is using a narrative voice and is quoting from someone else or maybe perhaps a character that he created. It does not matter for the purposes of our conversation. That is an academic discussion for some other realm that we will not enter into, okay? He says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. If you're following along in your Bible, you might come along a different word. Anybody out there have vanity, vanity? You've heard this before? A little nod, a little murmur, a little head nod, a little uh, following along, I understand, I'm breathing, I'm alive. A little, huh? Okay, thank you. This sounds like a really exciting person, doesn't it? You definitely want this person speaking at your next graduation ceremony or officiating your wedding. I'm sure that he'd be a big hit at the next funeral or baby dedication. Mercy, I mean, I know that he's right, but like, where's the hope in all this? He thinks everything is meaningless and he likes this word so much that he uses it about 38 times. Pretty important, small book, 38 times, one word popping up, that should make your spidey sense go off. It's a, it's a, it, yeah, I would maybe even argue that it's maybe not the best way to translate this word. And I'm, I'm on like, I'm on shaky ground there because I'm not really even sure if I agree with what I just said there. But, <laughs> but if we look at the, the Hebrew word that he's using, it's hevel. And hevel is a word that's directly translated as maybe mist, vapor, smoke. Do you follow me? Okay. So, like, let's rewrite it. Go ahead. Next slide. All right. And it will read the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vapor, vapor, says the teacher. Utterly vapor. Everything is vapor. It makes so much more sense now, right, when you directly translate things. Anyone in the room speak more than one language? What's the problem with directly translating things? It just kind of, it's going to lose some stuff, right? I think this author, the author of Ecclesiastes, is using this word metaphorically, which is to say, when I walk in my classroom and my student tells me, Mr. Coker, your assignment stinks. He's not saying that my assignment actually smells bad. He's using the word metaphorically. He's saying, your assignment is terrible. I don't like your assignment. Are you following me? You get the logic? I think he's using the word metaphorically. So what do we know about the properties of mist? or vapor. What do we know about it? It's real. You can see it. It has properties, but you can't hold it. You can't, you can't really reach out and grab it because the moment you do it, just sort of like it's intangible. It's there, but it's not there. Do you see? Are you getting a little bit more? Is it going a little deeper? Huh? Yes. A little murmur, a little head nod. There we go. Thank you. You can see it. We know it's real, but when you reach out for it, you just can't grasp it. It's always beyond our ability to know and fully control. This is why I think a better translation of the word for the purposes of this text would be maybe paradox or enigma. Mm. Life is a paradox. It's an enigma. There's a bit of mystery. Are you with me? Someone said yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. One person in the room. I'll take it. Does this sound familiar? Have you 
Have you also experienced some joy in your life and then watched it fade? Did you finally buy a house and watch it become a burden to maintain or pay for? I watched this happen to a few friends of mine. It was an awful calamity. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. It was bad. It's just because it's, well, it's such, the juxtaposition is so strange. You're like celebrating that they bought a house and then suddenly later on, it's like, oh, we don't live there anymore. Like we had to get rid of it. Like it's bad. Life does this to us where things that are supposed to be good turn into things that aren't so good. Have you ever found your sweetheart? Maybe the person that you put your arm over their shoulder right now. Or no, maybe it was the person earlier, the one before, the one that you thought was sweet, but then you realized wasn't so sweet. Have we ever gotten the dream job and then it turned into not such a dream? My first job ended up at a school in the Valley of Texas. I won't mention its name so that we can have some sort of realm of anonymity there. And it closed right after my first year. Life just doesn't always make sense, does it? Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. Life is unpredictable and unyielding to our will. It's hevel, it's a vapor, it's a mist, it's a paradox. Why did he get cancer? Why did she lose her job? I don't know, there's wisdom in Proverbs. Good things do happen to people that work hard and prepare themselves for success. And ruin does fall upon those that are lazy and unjust. But sometimes goodness falls on the wicked and hurt comes to the righteous. And so life appears to work one way, but then it seems like it doesn't actually. Life is heaven. It's a mist. It's a vapor. It's a paradox. A little murmur, a little head nod. Are you following? So with this newfound wisdom, what do we do? What are we supposed to do with our lives? Where do we put all of our energy and efforts? If everything is heaven, what am I supposed to do? And this is the question that the author of Ecclesiastes decides to grapple with next. And he moves from thing to thing, and we'll pick a couple of them, okay? Ecclesiastes 2, verses 1 through 2. Ah, there it is. I said to myself, come, now I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless, or hevel, or mist, vapor, a conundrum, a paradox. Laughter, I said, is madness, and what does pleasure accomplish? Yes, you could spend your life chasing pleasure. That is one of the options available to you. But according to the author of Ecclesiastes, and I'll bet if we uh, uh, polled many of the people in this room, there's a bit of meaninglessness, and perhaps the word is well translated, when you are chasing after pleasure, because after all, the weekend always ends. The party always stops. Okay, that one doesn't work. Let's try another one. Ecclesiastes 2, verses 18. I hated all the things I had to toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. You can chase after wealth. Yeah, maybe that's the thing that we'll do. Oh, I'll chase after money. But in the end, according to the author of Ecclesiastes and every other person that's lived on this planet, you just end up giving it away to someone else. If perhaps you do manage to make some money while you're here, you usually don't get to enjoy it while you're young. It's all hevel. It's like it's a mint. It's the, uh, uh, uh. 
Okay, well, what about another one? What about Ecclesiastes 4, verse 15 and 16? I saw that all who lived and walked under the sun followed the youth, the king's successor. There was no end to all the people who were before them. But those who came later were not pleased with the successor. This too is meaningless. It's a mist. It's a vapor. It's a conundrum. A chasing after the wind. You can chase after advancement in your career. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. You can do that. Absolutely. But someone's going to replace you one day. Little head nod, little murmur. Mm. But maybe you're thinking, ah, that's not me. I'm not mentioned in any of these examples. The author mentions everybody. The author mentions at the beginning and the end of the text that time and death get everyone. Man, this is a really hopeful sermon, isn't it? Ecclesiastes 1, verses 3 through 5. What do people gain from their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. Time gets everyone. Nothing truly changes. We build empires. We we build businesses. We send emails and take phone calls, but the mountains do not care. No one will remember what you have accomplished in a hundred years. Ecclesiastes 11, 11, 7 through 12, 7, summarized, says this, death makes most of our lives meaningless. But not meaningless. Remember, a paradox, an enigma. So these things that we spend our times in, investing, what can we do that lasts or matters? If it's a career or money, they pass, you give it on to someone else. If it's a pleasure, the party ends, you're living for the weekend and you're missing all the other parts of your life. Sunday night always comes. Anybody with the Sunday scaries? Because like the, the, yeah. (laughs) yeah, it's hevel, 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 hevel everywhere. Hevel here, hevel there, hevel everywhere. The problem is that living in the Lord or following God's laws doesn't guarantee a good life the way that we define it. Wisdom also seems like hevel, not meaningless, but a paradox. What is the key then to a good life? All you have, all we have, is to accept the hevel. There is no other option but to acknowledge that life is out of your control. Enjoy the friendships then. Enjoy the good weather and the beautiful days and the great meals as they come your way. Acknowledging that you do not have control frees you to enjoy the moment that you have, including the one right here and right now. Yeah, you can move towards greater wisdom, but don't spend your life buried in books, trying to understand life's puzzles. Instead, fear God and keep his commandments and let God worry over the hevel. So what good is God? Time and death make most of our lives lives completely out of control, but we have hope in God's judgment, says the author of Ecclesiastes at the very end. We have hope in God's judgment that one day God will clear out everything 
doing away with the hevel and bring true justice into the world. But we will need to pull back from our desire for certainty, church. We will not know the way of God's, how God's wisdom fits together in our lives, but we can have faith in God when he tells us that he knows how it fits together. After all, we have been called to live lives of faith, righteousness by faith, not by certainty. Our assurance is not in what we believe, but who. Jesus will return one day. And he will take away the confusions and the calamities of our lives. So let all of those things, let all of the hevel rest in his capable hands, knowing that he will make it clear one day. And that is the hope that we have found in the book of Ecclesiastes.